0: The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's Baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to
1: download the app. Restrictions apply. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the All-Star.
0: Matt Chapman. with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If
2: you make your way down here, I, I might
0: be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend.
1: It's time for A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend, and we have more from the winter meetings. You know how much I love MLB Network. It's what I watch every day, all day long, and I love all the guys, and really what's been cool is the way they've embraced us. Now, we have never met these guys in person, Commander Cody and I, but we've had them on the show And they know what we're doing is something historic and something new. And it is the future of baseball and how you're going to communicate with your fan base. And that's why they've gone out of their way to help us. These guys from MLB Network, they didn't go on all the different platforms that were at the winter meetings. They all made it a point to stop by. So you're going to hear from Brian Kenny. Actually, we've met Matt Vaskirjan before, but Matt Vaskirjan will stop by, Dan O'Dowd, the former GM, and the legend, the Mad Dog, Chris Russo. We'll start with my conversation with Brian Kenny, who does a great job with MLB Now and being a host at MLB Network. As you've heard me talk about for many, many years, he's one of my favorites from his time at ESPN, all those years at ESPN, doing baseball, also all his great work on boxing But we like to talk about it all the time, how his show, for us baseball people, it's second to none. And ever since, you know, 10 years ago, MLB Network came on board. We finally had a channel that talked about the sport that we love 24-7 and he says the show is for the thinking fan, the host of MLB Now, and, of course, all the great things that he does on MLB Network. Brian Kinney joins us here on A's Cast Live. It's finally great to meet you in person. Good, in the flesh, baby, yes. as they say
3: in Rocky Three. Good to see you, man.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's great to be here. in San. I mean, I actually grew up here in San Diego, so it's a lot of fun that we're coming back home and bringing A's Cast Live here, and it's been so cool that – We've had so many people in baseball talk to us because people are following what we're doing with A's cast. It's something Mm -hmm. so new and so dramatic and really is really the future in so many ways where a franchise controls its own product Mm -hmm. 24-7, 365. So whenever someone like you comes on, it means a lot to us.
3: Excellent. Well, it's good to be a part of it again since um, I think A's fans are used to thinking creatively because of their fandom of the a's right you i think they've long been at the vanguard of the revolution so you have a, a fan base that appreciates the excellence that they've been able to put forth at a lower budget and struggling through the years in a lot of ways but excelling in so many ways and and doing it through creativity imagination intellect that's what i think makes the a's so fascinating
1: i used to be doing post game and i would watch them break down the field and then have to re- recreate the field in 2002 because at that time we were Comcast Net, but during the Moneyball filming, we had to go back to Fox Sports. You know, so, oh, really? Oh, yeah. So, oh, wow. I, so all of a sudden the Delver Rays are back, the Montreal Expos are back. <laughs> they really <laughs> had to recreate the exact same stadium. Oh, wow. And so I think that's the thing. You know, once the book came out and then the movie – the pride for A's fans of as being the vanguard, as you said, of, of you know, this little engine that could what Billy Bean and David Forrest have meant to this fan base for so many years is, you know, now that we see this change, you know, out here, we've seen these meetings today. I can tell you, Brian, we're watching these meetings and, and, and all these kids are anywhere. Twenty five to thirty five are getting interviewed by teams. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of this started with the A's.
3: Oh, no question um, where. And that was one of the points that uh, Billy had made to me when I was writing my book and I interviewed him where he said, hey, it's more of a meritocracy now. He said someone like Farhan Zaidi years ago, there's no chance for that he would be able to work for a major league club. Now, uh, Major League Baseball is able to bring uh, massive brain power to the equation. Look at these kids now that you get to see here. I just ran into, that's why I was late, ran into three or four of them on yeah. my way over. And You know, they they watch the net, MLB Network, and they've read the book, and they're up to date on things. And um, the level of, I'll put it this way, the level of kid, right, the level of, Um, Kid who is because there are kids here like from high schools, but there are also uh, a lot of kids here from colleges and just out of college. The level of education for the prospective employee for Major League Baseball has risen quite a bit over the last decade. And that's what you want. You want a better applicant pool, and that's what you have now in baseball. The whole industry, I mean, just look at it now, uh, with teams making rational decisions. And that doesn't just mean being cheap. It means being smart or uh, betting on the right player or seeing what's there. And sometimes that involves numbers, and sometimes it does not. But at least you're looking at things logically, and that's being examined. And I think that's what really captures our imagination as fans is that there is so much going on in putting together a baseball roster
1: and how much fun are we having because last couple of years has been rough watching you guys and we're thinking okay when are these guys going to sign And next then it's january then it's february we got Strasburg signing today. Supposedly Cashman's going to be making the offer today mm-hmm. to Garrett Cole and Scott Boris. The winter meetings are back.
3: Yeah, it's like 1970s baseball, right? It was <laughs> like, buy, spend, sell, you know, get on it. Um, I, I I found the winter shutdown fascinating in its own right. You know, now, not that I, I don't come here and say, where are all the signings? Well, sometimes, you know, you just have to, you know... Talk about what you're going to talk about, whether there's signings or not. And and it's not 1955. They don't have to be in the same room to make deals. You know, they can contact each other. Uh, But, yeah, it is more fascinating now that teams uh, are being a little more aggressive. And that's been like a theme of our show for the past few years, I remember a few years ago when the Cardinals jumped out and they, they signed Johnny Peralta to a deal. I think it was four years, $52 million. So it didn't break the bank, but it was a significant deal. They got Peralta, and I think they got some relief pitchers, too. And I often wondered why teams didn't do it that way. Um, because, look, it's, it is a lot about value and trying to, you know, save money here and there so you can put together the best pop- possible roster. But it's also about finding the right players that you really want. So this year, the way Alex Anthopoulos has gotten after it, I'm a big fan of that. Identify the players you want and get after them. Spend for and push real money across the table and say, hey, look, this is the, this is our offer. It's not going to be here for the entire winter. This is it now. But it's fair. It's market value. Do you want it? And like Will Smith said, yes, I'll take it, right? Mm-hmm. He takes it and they get the like, top reliever on the market. I think more teams should do that. Don't be afraid. Don't, don't be looking to save. And I know it sounds like a lot of money, but in terms of. Uh, a payroll of a major league team, which is anywhere from 75 to 200 million. um, Don't be afraid to like, you know, oh, I didn't save 500 grand on this guy. No, don't get the guy. If that's the guy you want, go get him, have dinner at his house, go out with his wife and, you know, get 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 everybody on board and say you're the guy we want. That's how I would approach it. You know, if there's three or four guys you really want, get after them and, and get after them. Why wait? I'd be doing it day one, right after the World Series. I'd be if this, if that's the relief pitcher you want, if that's the second baseman you want, go see him right away. Get the, get the agent there in front of you and push your deal right to the forefront.
1: Wine and dine, baby.
3: Why not? No, they re- and you also have to put the money out there and be fair. Say, hey, come. As they say in this business too, come correct come correct don't don't be trying to haggle with us come with a real deal and you saw with the Braves they were able to make deals right away also like Yasmani Grandal you got to come real and get him right away you know they came real and they got the like a guy that is difficult to
1: approximate
3: in the rest of the marketplace
1: is that the problem with Mookie Betts in Boston right now cuz they didn't come correct right out of the gate Probably, although, you know, I don't know the inner workings
3: of that deal, but you also have to come early and come correct. Like, when you have a player like that who establishes himself, and there's been players like that too, like, you have to identify, if I was a general manager, I would identify the players that we've drafted and developed and then get an extension out to them early because the later you wait, the the less likely you're going to be able to sign them. And now, of course, you've got to, you know, it's impossible to sign Mookie Betts, right? But, you know, Betts is, uh, he's distinctive. He's still young, and he fields and he runs at the highest level. Those guys are very rare, where a player like that is going to age well. So whatever you can pay one player, you pay Mookie Betts. And that's difficult now for the Red Sox. So I would have, ha- I would have to actually look at it like, hey, what year could you have come to Betts? Um, the way the Braves did with Acuna, right? And say, oh, you think we can't sign Acuna? Well, right now, we control him for six years, and we're going to roll $100 million in front of him. He's going to say no to that? No, you're not. But that's coming correct. See, you and I are developing a little strategy yeah. here. Right. <laughs> I come, like right it. Don't, come at a guy that you say, hey, this guy would be happy with 50, 75 million. Maybe we can get him. Yeah, what if we came at 100? Now we now we got him for eight years. Now we own his 20s. Do you want to own you know, Ronald Acuna Jr.'s 20s? Yes, you do. I'd, I'd worry about his 30s. I'd worry about hey, Steven Strasberg's 30s. I'd worry about anybody's 30s. But you draft and develop, and he's your superstar player. Pay that guy.
1: I'm thinking about Garrett Cole. We know Cashman's coming with an offer. Artie Moreno's got a big check. Then I think about the Dodgers waiting in the weeds and Andrew Friedman. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking with Cole?
3: Yeah, it, his, it's also a perfect storm in where he comes in with the goods, also with the ability to change his game, utilizing the latest technology in baseball operations, right, with the Astros. Yeah. They transform him transform him from a guy who was pretty good and seen as you know, kind of a trendy uh, Cy Young candidate to a solid Cy Young guy for the next five years, and you can see it. And he comes with the stuff, the, like the velocity, the movement, and the intellect, and he comes off a, the best possible season. So, again, now Strasburg just made 35 per. Well, Garrett Cole's got to make that. He's got to make that. And is it going to be seven? No, I won't do it because Strasburg's starting at 31, and Cole, I believe, is age 29. So, yeah, is that a nine-year deal? I would be loath to do that type of deal, uh, but I'm also admitting that Garrett Cole is basically your perfect package. You know, the only thing that could be better is if he's 25, <laughs> and he 26. It's the only thing he could be younger. Other than that, it's like everything you could possibly want is right there, including the recency bias, which affects all of us. What you just saw, he was great, and that's a good feeling.
1: I think about up in our neck of the woods, Masson garner. I put him through the shredder. That's one thing. Yes. <laughs> and then I look at him in the postseason. Where are you as a free agent with Masson Baumgarner?
3: Yeah, there is a – I'd have to dig deep into, like, that reliability. How much of that is still – how much of that is now – let me change that – is now a myth? How much of that is reality? Because there's no question the guy was able to lower his heart rate in postseason play time and time again. Is that the way it's going to continue? History tells us no. Jack Morris was about the greatest postseason pitcher in history. And then his look at his last couple of starts, his last couple of outings in the postseason. No good. That's why you look back at his postseason ERA and you say, well, that wasn't that impressive. It's like, hold on, you got to go game by game. (laughs) And up until 91 or 92, it's like this guy was the world beater and the classic ace. Right. The cowboy coming in cool as could be and vanquishing you. So, uh, yeah, that's Bumgarner. But are you going to would you bet that that's the guy going forward? I don't know. You, oh, certainly you would. I would, too, at a yeah. certain price. But at the highest level price, his production, his regular season production has just fell to a point where, um, I don't know, I'd have, does he deserve better than Zach Wheeler? Certainly. But would I pay that? I'd have trouble paying that.
1: Let's end on this, because I know you're part of the Hall of Fame and what you do at the inductions, and, and I love when you guys break it all down and you put the shows together. And the, the modern era group, we just found out Ted Simmons is going in, Marvin Miller. and I've had a lot of the guys on the show. We've recently had Dale Murphy, Steve yeah. Garvey, Tommy John was just on with us, yeah, excellent. and you have so much respect for all of these guys and the ten that were in there. What did you think about the two that got in?
3: I'm so glad too got in. First of all, I mean that's the main thing is that the veterans committee is there for, especially in that era, right? 19 was it 71 to 87? That is stacked with candidates. Uh, I was I was heartened to see Dwight Evans do so well. Uh, like so, already we're having a sabermetric reevaluation of these players. Dwight Evans, I thought was the best best candidate on the board, exempting Marvin Miller, who should have been in 25, 30 years ago. Um, it was an embarrassment. To the hall of fame that marvin miller wasn't in that's now been corrected it's too late he's deceased um many people have a problem with that i understand it completely but that at least corrects that injustice you do the best you can and i'm heartened to see that committee say "Geez, marvin even with all these excellent players i would have voted i could vote for thurman munson i could vote for lots of these guys they all had outstanding careers these are all you know very very good candidates ted simmons was probably the most obvious candidate so this committee and I you rarely get to say this, they got it right. Ted Simmons was objectively the best candidate on that list, even though I prefer Dwight Evans, even though I could make a, a certainly a case for Lou Whitaker. Simmons as a catcher was just so outstanding for such a long time. He hit at such a high level. He deserved to get in, and Miller should have been in years ago while he was alive. So that said, we've had Trammell and Jack Morris get in from a veterans committee, uh, Harold Baines and Lee Smith. Now, Baines was the outlier in all of this, but okay, fine. But we're getting two at a time. This is something people have a problem with, and I've been a Hall of Fame aficionado for almost my entire life. I now host the ceremonies. I crunch this as much as anybody studies and crunches this. There's room. That's my point. There's room. We don't have to build a new wing. We don't have to go to Cherry Valley. We don't have to go to another town. They say, oh, it's going to be so packed. No, there's room for great players. And Ted Simmons is one of the greatest 10 catchers in the history of baseball. Is there room for every position the top 10 players in history? Yes, there is.
1: Well, you talk about room. So I got fourteen-year-old twin daughters. So my DVR is like The Mask Singer, Dancing with the Stars, and Survivor. And they go, "What is MLB now?" I what? go, "Well, that's my show. That's what I watch every day." Wait, how old are
3: your twins? Fourteen. And they're not hip to MLB now yet. You know, I I steal <laughs> from you. They don't. Oh, we need the kids. I want that demographic. You oh I'll that. get you that demo. <laughs> we we'll help that, you on that. Exactly. Look, I've looked fifty three year old men. <laughs> I've got them. I, I need I need some more fourteen, hey. you know, seventeen year olds. Let's Trust get me, being in sports <laughs> radio all these years. Yeah,
1: we 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 got the fifty year olds.
3: Well, I have I've found that that actually uh, I'm just talking to a bunch of kids who are in college and a gal who was uh, senior in high school. And I, I think actually this does bring that that generation of fans into it. It's a generation that is used to looking things up and being able be, being able to think logically on their own, and not having to accept the dogma that has been passed down. Because they know and they can sniff out nonsense. You have kids, you know, if twins, they can sniff out nonsense pretty quickly. So yeah, when you say, hey, this player, this team, this guy is good, this was a good signing. Well, why do you say that? That's the next question. And I think that appeals to that generation. That you looking that, that's all this is sabermetrics analytics looking at things logically asking the right questions and trying to get the best possible answer
1: this younger generation likes math
3: yeah they do no, data is, look, there's a dire- mm-hmm. the, that generation also can see there is a direct connection between the data and the physical world, and that's what baseball illustrates better than anything because of the repetitiveness of the acts, is that you can see it again and again, and that's everything, whether you're building new roads, building a, a highway, how many people could fit on a subway, how many on a train, what do you need for infrastructure, that transcends baseball.
1: Your show's my favorite. It's an honor to have you you on the program. I'm glad I have you, at least. Hey, you got me.
3: (laughs) But I want your kids, too.
1: Give me your children. You you, you know I'm there for you. (laughs) Thank you, Chris. I appreciate that. From Brian Kenny to one of the biggest A's fans out there, this guy's flying the A's flag everywhere for us. And whether he's doing Sunday Night Baseball for ESPN or he's doing baseball, or doing the morning show, or whatever he's doing at MLB Network. Matt Vaskersen loves the A's, he loves baseball, and we love having him on the program. And Matt Vaskersen, longtime A's fan, Bay Area guy, who does an unbelievable job with the MLB Network, whether it's the morning show, or whether it's the shows in the afternoon, or ESPN Sunday Night Baseball (laughs) being the voice of baseball now. It is always an honor to have you on the program. Good to see
0: you, Chris. They'll always wherever
1: they allow me, I'll um, I'll be I'll be happy because it's a trip. It's like you're doing the morning, the next thing you know you're doing like intentional talk, yeah, and then you're you're hosting like during the season you'll host in the afternoon. So you're kind of all over the board there. Yeah, I guess,
0: uh, and that's okay, right? It prevents boredom from settling in or rigor mortis, either one of the two. It's good. I'm lucky, and um, I love being out there at MLB Network and. You know, covering the game that I love the most—it's I'm a pretty lucky guy, actually.
1: And the Sunday gig is pretty, pretty great.
0: Sundays are fun. We just got the schedule announced uh, today. Uh, no A's game on there, unfortunately. At least not that I—I I mean, that would have been the first thing that off to pop out. Back to back, 97 wins—we can't get
1: on Sunday know, night.
0: No man, it's it's the I don't get the. Uh, believe me, if I was making that decision, it would be a series of games in uh, Seattle, Oakland, and other places in the West. But. Um, you know, you can only have one a week, and uh, they do a pretty good job trying to maximize the eyeballs in that equation. And it's there is some fluidity to it, too, in case somebody reels off a 20-game winning streak or acquires a blockbuster player midseason. It, they, can, they can change those things.
1: We can flex, as we say in the NFL. Flex, that's right. <laughs> flex is the TV term, right. Yeah, you got it. So I was just talking about this because, obviously, Boris is in a lot of control of what's happening here right. in free agency in the winter meetings. And... It was obvious Strasburg was a guy that did want to leave. Washington has now become home, even though he's mm-hmm. from San Diego. And, you know, he got the deal done. But with Garrett Cole, it's completely different. It's too many times we give Boris maybe a little too much credit. Is The agent does work for you, mm-hmm. and you have two clients that look like they have different needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know,
0: I mean, Scott is really good at his job, clearly. He's he is the biggest power broker in the game, much to the chagrin of 30 owners. He's good at this. And there have been many years, and I could probably go back and remember uh, time, date, stamps, and players where he's had a limited number of openings, he's had players express interest in where and for how much, and he's figured out a way to move the pieces on the game board around to maximize everybody's dollar and keep everybody happy. I think it was the year that he ended up putting Derek Lowe in Boston and Magley Ordonez in Detroit, and Derek Lowe wanted to pitch for the Tigers because he 's a Michigander and he wanted to go there. Uh, but Scott knew about where the dollars were, where the needs were, ended up engineering a, a deal for Boris to go for uh, Lowe to go to Boston, worked out great for him. He put Magley in Detroit, where that money was and worked out great for him so there are market permutations that we as fans have no idea about. We don't know about these chess pieces that are being moved around. So when we hear rumors and even when we see completed transactions, sometimes we want to, you know, hold our nose and say, oh, dumb, oh, bad deal. No, I'm pretty sure that whatever happens is the right deal, especially when Boris is engineering it. Let's hope as Ace fans go that it's out of the AL West see a Garrett Cole yeah <laughs> don't have to deal with you four times a year because yeah. he's that good uh I, I can't see it going anywhere other than New York for him and I know there's a lot of heat around the Angels and very sexy to talk about Joe Madden and Tony LaRusse is now an advisor and Billy Epler's really good at his job and there's a lot of energy there and they've got Otani and Trout uh, I, how much more money can one team spend So $425 million for Mike Trout. They just backed up another truck last week for another $350-ish for the land and the stadium. So are you telling me that they're going to spend a billion dollars in a month and a half or whatever, three months, on two players and a land acquisition? How much more money can they spend there? No, I'd be shocked, and I've been shocked before,
1: but I'd be shocked if it's the Angels for Garrett Cole. I really would. You know what I'm rooting for? I'm rooting for the Dodgers to come in strong. Just get them out of the American League. That'd be fine, right? Get them out of the American League. Put them with the Dodgers. You know they're they're kind of laying. I've been kind of saying this to everybody. They're the kind of the big boy laying in the weeds right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, and a lot of the speculation around the Dodgers has to do with the trade market, and there are people that are. Drawing lines between uh, like a Francisco Lindor trade and then all the, this trove of prospects that the Dodgers have developed over the last few years. And that's really, for me, Chris, that's the separator between what the Dodgers have done to win seven straight Western Division titles and the rest of that division. It, it isn't just that they're writing the biggest checks. They do write big checks. They were able to keep Jansen, keep Kershaw with, with big money. But they have drafted and developed better than anybody in that division. A, a lot of that stuff has been from their own brain, if you will. Uh, I mean, Bellinger, and then the new group of guys like Gavin Lux and Will Smith, the catcher, Jock Peterson, who's been there for a while. Then they found these diamonds in the rough, and unfortunately Max Muncy is one of them who ended up on the A's scrap heap somehow, and the Dodgers turned him into a 35-home run-a-year star second baseman they've been smarter than everybody else in addition to being richer. So that's a tough nut to crack. And if Garrett Cole were to go to the Dodgers, get him out of the AL West, get him away from the A's,
1: I'm with you. The Max Muncy thing is mind-blowing to me. I mean, here I am watching him every game, doing pre and post and all that, and I and I'm like all of a sudden he goes and becomes an all-star. Yeah. It's it's that's insane.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he's a pretty humble guy too. He's uh he's not going to he's not going to say that uh, This happened because he left the A's. I mean, But the fact of it is the Dodgers unlocked something that nobody else could unlock. And a lot of times it's just the player and the maturation cycle of his development. And whether he happens to be an A or a Dodger or a hunching ham fighter at the time, it's when the player gets it. Whoever has him as their property is the winner. And in this case, it was the Dodgers.
1: How much does A-Rod talk about that? Because that's really kind of where the game has gone now is – We'll take somebody else's player, work with them. The Astros have been so good with that. Mm-hmm. It's like retooling guys, refining guys has become a real school, a real skill in the game yeah. today. Yeah, I mean, Alex
0: talks about that uh, to a degree, but I think a lot of of of, that, of what we're talking about has evolved since Alex has has left the game as a, as an active player. And I mean, the team that does it the best, and the A's are very good at it, it without question, it's the Rays. They take. And I don't want to say other teams' scrap heaps because that's not an entirely flattering way to put it, but they'll take players that perhaps didn't reach those levels previously and with a combination of coaching and putting players in the right position based on their analytic profile, they get better performance out of them. The big right-hander that the A's saw in the wild-card game, Anderson, that they acquired from the, from the Marlins for nothing, that gave them uh, two-and-a-half months of basically shutout relief like, that's an example of taking a player, maximizing his potential based on the information and the coaching and, and winning with him. And that's, isn't that what coaching and development should be? You give a guy the best opportunity to succeed.
1: Look at Garrett Cole. What he was in Pittsburgh and then what he became in, in Houston is now going to get him paid to mm-hmm. where, I mean, if you're Brian Cashman, because supposedly Cashman came in today at some point. Mm. You're Cashman, you come rolling in here to the Manchester Hyatt and you know Strasbourg got seven years 245, what are you thinking of your cashman? Darn it. <laughs> <laughs> You're thinking, somebody
0: make another phone call. Sell some more bonds or whatever it is they're doing to generate finances there. Yeah, I mean, I don't see Cole signing for less than that. Let's put it that way. And, I, you know, I don't, I don't believe that there was any hometown discounting done by the Nats, even though we all were of the mind that Stephen wanted to stay there. It's going to probably go north of that for Garrett Cole, wow. who is on the open market and who very famously left the clubhouse after Game 7 of the World Series wearing a Boris Corp cap. Not unlike when uh, when Dave Kingman left the A's clubhouse after his three straight years of 30 and 100 wearing a Mariners cap <laughs> on the last day. I think it was the '86 season that was... <laughs> we, the stones it takes to walk out of the clubhouse wearing a rival team's logo. Like, see us suckers. By the way, he didn't end up playing there. But we, we all got the drift.
1: Well, and let's talk about the green and gold. Because, you know, with this show, we've been talking to a lot of the national guys. Mm-hmm. And I can already tell. Because, like, last year, it was like, yeah, 97 wins. Let's see you do it again. But you do it back-to-back years. And pretty much, you know, everything we do, we do the David Force show, pretty much everything's pretty much set. Second base, maybe another left-handed bat, add another arm of the bullpen. But the the core is pretty much set. And I don't know what uh, the guys are saying at the network, but I know a lot of people around really starting to say, there's going to be a handful of teams that have the possibility to win the World Series. The A's are definitely one of that team. I would agree. I would agree with that. I mean, based
0: on what might happen this winter, uh, I think we would all agree with this, too, that even with full health and with Steven Piscotty healthy and, and able to you know, give you full season of service and whoever else wasn't available all year long, I don't know that they have a roster that could compete with, say, the Yankees or the Dodgers right now. It's super close, and maybe it's a tweak away. And, you know, they're not in the market for a Garrett Cole or a Steven Strasburg or an Anthony Rendon. But what they are in the market for, my guess, David could confirm this with you, is maybe that next tier of guy. Zach Wheeler was that next tier of guy. He's off the board now. But there are there are other free agent commodities out there. Wade Miley was really good last year in Houston before he hit a strange wall in August and then struggled. A guy like that who's got postseason experience who is going to come to you a lot cheaper. Uh, and I'm remiss for not remembering the name of the player now, but there's a, a free agent Japanese hitter that's posted right now uh, a first baseman outfielder, and certainly there's no need for first base help in Oakland, but who wouldn't say no to a DH outfielder that has the capability of hitting 300 and posting an OPS of uh, 8.75 or higher? And I should know the guy's name, and I'm sorry. It's,
1: it's, it's actually very tough to pronounce.
0: It's tough to pronounce, yeah, and it's totally escaping about. me right now. <laughs> but anyway, he played in the World Baseball Classic. Like, the guy's got a chance to help a team this year. The A's are creative, and David and his guys are as good as it gets in, you know, finding that value player whether it's a free agent or a trade target and turning him into a really good star
1: well that's the thing that i think we all respect so much is there's never hey we're going into rebuild mode no we're always going to try and win yeah and sometimes it doesn't work where you have a couple of years but when you've been to the playoffs under billy bean 10 times out of 20 years that's saying a lot and of course last year when they came up with the, the new award for the executive of the year and Billy won it in the first year. It just yeah. goes to show that, you know, the A's are not going to go in the direction that we've seen so many teams go in, which I'm hoping we're seeing that trend now. We are talking about it earlier in the show, that there's quite a few front offices right now who have their feet to the fire, so mm-hmm. – it looks like going into this year, we're seeing more money spent early. And now what we're seeing now, that some front offices know that you know their time's up. they got to start winning or there's going to be a regime change. Yeah, it's
0: true. I think one of them is here, too. The Padres have tried yeah. a number of different tacks to try to scale the Dodger Mountain in the NL West. And, uh, look, a manager hire uh, that kind of came out of left field for some. Not a lot of people were familiar with Jace Tingler, but their staff, A.J. Preller, convinced he's the right guy. So there's got to be something there. Uh, they've tweaked the roster a bit. Uh, you know, they bring back Drew Pomerantz on a pretty lucrative deal based on a good two and a half months after he got traded from the Giants to the Brewers last year. So, yeah, they, that's one of those teams with, with a quote-unquote foot to the fire. But you're right in your, in your take, and I think everybody agrees nationally too, Chris, that the A's are not one of those teams. There's a successful model in place. They're winning uh, without the largese of the monster payroll teams like the, the Red Sox and Cubs and Yankees. And for those reasons,
1: everybody, everybody kind of looks at the A's as being dangerous every year. Dangerous, and then that takes me to Houston. So we'll use the word dangerous for the A's. Can you use the word vulnerable for Houston right now? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For so many
0: reasons. that The subtraction of coal alone puts them in the vulnerable category. With all the hand-wringing that's going on around this sign-stealing scandal, and by the way, I find it curious that we just have stopped talking about that for some reason because there's no new news, but I can guarantee you that it's being taken pretty seriously on Park Avenue. And, you know, the, the, the now-proven-to-be-accurate accusations of the garbage can banging and all this stuff that this John Boy guy on, on Twitter verified with video, that happened Right? So they can't say, no, that didn't happen. It happened. We see it. We hear the accusations, and there's video proof of it. What the speculation is now is that was there something even more diabolical happening there in terms of an advantage-gaining scandal? In other words, you get the signs, and then how are you conveying that information to the guy at the plate? And I don't want to fuel the fire of speculation here because there are a lot of wild things that have been suggested as to what actually happened. Wild. There. Wild. You've probably heard the same stuff. Yeah, I, mean, it's I like, mean, really? If that was going down, then, man, the league's got to come down hard. Uh, if it wasn't going down, and I as a baseball fan hope it wasn't, then somebody in Houston needs to make a public statement about it, right? Because we haven't heard anything from their guys. Not a thing. And whether, you know, you think that the manager or the GM or the somebody representing the organization needs to address what they did, which has been proven, and the allegations that are out there, proven
1: or not. Because if people are spending the kind of money that they spend and they're going to these games and they don't think it's on the up and up. It's not good for the sport. And not to mention,
0: like, think of some of the players. Like, Alex Bregman is one of the most talented stars in the game. And you can say that for a half dozen other guys on that roster. Now they have to deal with this, right? And it's, it's, it's seen by some in the baseball world as a little bit of luster off of their stars. And that's really unfortunate that we should be looking at those players as anything other than superstar talents, which Bregman is. But now in the back of your mind as a fan, especially as a fan of a rival team, you're going to be look- looking at them going, Mm hmm. What kind of you know? What kind of unfair advantage did you have the last three years that nobody else did? I, it's it's a rotten conversation. That's why I feel strongly that the Astros need to at some point make a statement about it.
1: Yeah, my my producer Commander Cody came at me with that. Well, should we look at Altuve winning the MVP? I said, slow down. Altuve was way better on the road than he was at home the year he won the MVP. Yeah. So I don't want to take anybody's MVP away because I love Altuve. I think he's going to be a Hall of Famer someday. But Agreed. yeah, just just that speculation It's just it, it's not good for our game. When right now, like what we're seeing here in San Diego, baseball's doing well. You know, there's yeah. a lot of interest and in, in the money that's being thrown around, and you know, and at some point, you know, once we get past the pitchers we we got a third baseman who just lit it up in the postseason that needs to get paid.
0: Right, that's right. Um, man, I, boy, I mean, the, that's across the bridge when it gets there, conversation for some. But for those like yourself who are in this every day, Simeon, Chapman, Olsen, like the core, man, I hope they can keep this group around because we all remember the tough decisions that the A's had to make around the giambi Tejada, chavez team's there was money for one of them, and it was Chavi. And it, there wasn't a right or wrong answer there. They could only afford one of those guys. And Giambi went on and had the big years in New York, and Tejada same in Baltimore and, and Houston. And it broke up the band probably three or four years prematurely. And I hope to goodness that doesn't happen with this current vintage of A's teams.
1: What would a new ballpark mean to you? It,
0: it would mean just that. It would mean the opportunity to keep everybody around. It would mean we could stop. The kvetching about we don't have the revenues, and the A's don't do that. By the way, to their credit, they don't they don't pull that fire alarm. It's it's everybody in the media that talks about it. And I also, as a you know a kid that grew up in the East Bay that cut his teeth going to games there, I hate hearing the Coliseum trashed as often as we do by people that have never been there. People in the media who take shots at the home ballpark. We know it's old. We you know we get it, but it's it's our park, right? So. Bob Melvin has done a great job preaching the message to the players. Embrace the home ballpark. There's a ton of foul territory here. The fan experience might not be as good or it might be different, but from a competitive standpoint, cash in on that foul territory. And, you know, ask Homer Bailey about it. Right? Ask Tanner Roark about it. They loved it, those guys. And there'll be another
1: group of pitchers that love it this year, too. MLB's last dive bar. Is what we're calling it these days. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I think the New York Times. By the way, I didn't know that we dropped a
0: Commander Cody on you. You know, Commander Cody actually filmed a video at Quickway in Oakland. You know that Quickway place by the Grand Lake Theater? There was, I, I see, again, this is my early onset dementia that's really getting the best of me at the age of 52. I can't remember the name of the song. I can't remember the name of that Japanese free agent. I can't remember the name of the Commander Cody song that they did the video at Quickway.
1: But you're mass excursion, so you're good. Yoshitomo Tsutsugo. I told you it's not an easy Thanks, one. Thanks, Jim. Yeah. See, <laughs> whiz. How do you forget that name? Hey, thank you for letting us steal her from, from you guys. She's, she's, she's the best. She's still
0: so, so sorely missed at our place, not, not to speak ill of anybody that's attempted to replace her, but there's only one, only one of her, unfortunately, for us. She is special. Yeah, you guys are lucky.
1: Hey, thank you so much for stopping by. It means yeah, a lot. And, you know, hey, you guys. this fan base loves you. Yeah. Thanks. I they, mean, they know you're repping, but they know you're from the East Bay. They know you're a Bay Area guy. Homer, I'm a, I
0: fly that A's freak flag around in Secaucus, New Jersey, and everybody's like, yeah, yeah, we get it. You're from Oakland. No, you don't get it, actually. <laughs> you, you don't. <laughs> well, hopefully
1: we'll get flexed, and we'll see you out in Oakland. I'm pushing for the flex, man. If it happens, you'll hear from us. Enjoy the rest of the meetings. All right,
0: Chris. Thanks, man.
1: Matty V is a good dude. I mean, he really, really is, and I just love how he uh, he represents the green and gold. One guy I've never had on, and I've always wanted to have him on, is Dan O'Dowd, who was with the Orioles, and then he was there for the heyday of the Cleveland Indians in the mid '90s, and then you know he took over one of the toughest jobs there is, and that's being general manager of the Colorado Rockies. How to win a mile high up. And since leaving the Rockies, I think he's fabulous on television. Because you're around all these analytics people, you're around all these, these former players. Somebody has to be real, somebody that really knows how to run an organization. Longtime friend of Billy Bean. Let's hear from the ex GM, Dan O'Dowd. Well, I talk to our audience all the time, Dan, about how much I love MLB Network. And when you're a baseball guy, you know, for years you go in the clubhouse, everything was ESPN. Now you go in the clubhouse, it's the network. And what you do on the network, we really appreciate it. We love watching
2: Thanks, it. Thanks, Chris. I, that means a lot to me, especially coming from you. I appreciate that very much.
1: Well, I think about, you know, you got all these guys, you got us media guys, right? You got the former players. It's so nice to have the former GM, the perspective of the front office, because front office work in baseball is so complicated. I'm not sure everybody understands, you know, the difference. You know, we live so much in a football world. Football doesn't have a minor league system. The draft is completely different. The scouting is completely different. We have world. We have scouts all over the world. I Correct. Mean, it's a total different world for, for baseball
2: GMs. Yeah, you know, actually it's like running a major Fortune 500 company. I mean, it's that complex. Your budgets now are complicated more than ever. The, the volume of data that you have access to is really overwhelming and so you know you're managing front offices in my career have grown exponentially i mean they're they're not just doubled in size they're quadrupled in sizes so you know and with that becomes a more difficult process to manage day in and day out and you know the unique part about the gm job is probably as a ceo has to manage the board of directors and then manage all the people down underneath them except their their scoreboard or their scorecard it doesn't show up every single day in that job you're managing up and which is really hard to do with your ownership group and then you're managing down in that manager gm relationship is probably one of the more volatile relationships in the game because sports are based on emotion and if you're good at your job as a gm you have some emotion and if you if you're good at your job a manager you have some emotion so the more experience you get the more you learn how to to uh channel those emotions appropriately. But that's the challenge of the job. I mean, you you are on call all of the time.
1: You know, I think about the job from a standpoint of we see ownership when teams win. You don't see ownership a lot when teams lose. And you're the guy that constantly, and I think Moneyball showed it, where Billy's begging for more money from Steve Shot to get yep. Rincon. People don't realize the relationship between the, you know, we have all these fancy titles now, whether you're VP of this or president of baseball operations, but the relationship of constantly dealing with the the owner is something people don't get to see.
2: You know, and I call it the political capital bank. You know, um, depending upon your success as a GM, the greater political capital you have in your bank, the less success you have as a GM, whether that's wins and losses on the field, trades you recommended that didn't work out, free agents that you wanted to sign, that did well or did poorly, however that ledger swings, you know, totally changes your relationship with the owner and and your credibility within his eyes. And that can be tenuous at times.
1: And I think about the meetings. How much have they changed over the years for you?
2: Yeah. I've started coming to these meetings. Hank Peters, who was my mentor in the game, started bringing me to these meetings when I was very, very young uh, in Baltimore and then in Cleveland. Those meetings were fascinating to me because, you know, you go into Jack McKeon's suite. Trader he'd, Jack. He'd be smoking a cigar, and uh, he'd be, he would just tell stories. And then you'd get to making a trade talk, uh, sitting in a room with Pat Gillick. And, you know, his warmth and friendliness, you always felt like this guy wasn't trying to take advantage of you. He was really trying to do what was right for his club, but also be totally forthright with your club. And But... It was those meetings that you'd have. So, you know, you used to schedule meetings. Your assistant used to schedule meetings with other clubs. So you decide if you were the senior um, general manager in the relationship, they'd come to your suite. If they were the senior GM in the relationship, you'd go to their suite out of respect. And uh, through those discussions, you created relationships, which I can't tell you how much helps you. Uh, as you go down further in the season when you want to make trades, don't anybody tell you it's just about the data and it's just about the scattering reports and the information. It comes down to relationships, too. People you trust, people you know you can get a deal with, done with, people that know aren't trying to take advantage of you, even when they have the leverage in the negotiation. But that starts with creating relationships. Now it's, from what I gather, because I haven't done this now in almost five years, it's texting and it's emails, and I don't think that's good for the game. Because I do think it is a game that's still based in fundamentally surround relationships.
1: So, Billy Beans hired in 97 after the season. Cashman was hired in 98 just after the new year. So, they're technically the two longest at 23 years. They get the biggest
2: suites here at the hotel.
1: (laughs) That's how it works. Hey, think about that. 23 years running a franchise. Talk about these two guys. Tremendous.
2: You know, to go through all the ups and downs and just to be able to maintain their passion, and their love and their desire to continue to do the job it's it's it is a nonstop job i know when i left colorado and i was a gm for 15 years i was fried i mean i was emotionally physically i was worn out with the job so it's a remarkable how b- both of them done it differently because everybody's got a different personality and a different way they approach life but it's remarkable and my respect for both of them are immense billy is a dear friend of mine and i just have so much respect for his staying power but at the same point in time, where that length of time does allow you a competitive advantage is wisdom. You know you know really what you need to focus on. You know what you can delegate. You know there's a rhythm to your organization, and you have a pulse of that. So as the longer you're in a job, the more comfortable you become and really understand the ebbs and flow of your own organization and the game itself.
1: Would you be comfortable signing a pitcher to a guaranteed contract of $300 million?
2: No, but I will say this. You know, there's... If you think rationally about any free agent signing of a large amount, basically you're never going to sign a free agent. There's no rational argument that any of these deals ever work out. I will tell you that I do feel there's a better chance for the elite pitcher for that to work out than the ones that are in the middle or below with what I call maybe an overcommitment, simply because those guys, one, they figured out how to pitch. Like Strasburg for me has now gone from a – a, a true power guy coming out of San Diego State to a guy that really, really understands the art of pitching. He's backed off his velocity. He's using his changeup a lot more. He's got he's gone away from his slider, which was I felt was causing some issues with his arm to more of a a really hammer breaking ball. And he doesn't. He's not a max effort guy. I mean, he really has figured out. Scherzer's done the same thing to some degree. He might be more the, the freak than anything. And so I think those guys have figured out. How to maintain their stuff like John Schmoltz did for years, um, so I think they're a less of a risk. The other ones that are, for me, even a bigger risk, are the ones that haven't figured it in yet. <clears throat> the Noah Syndergards, that are your max effort type, I just don't think are sustainable within our game. Now, the bigger issue is from a payroll construction standpoint, guys. Unless you have Chris, unless you have just huge payroll flexibility, you can't tie up that large a percentage of your payroll on any one player unless your payroll has a chance to be pushing 225 to 250 it, the math just doesn't add up in trying to put a competitive team aggregately all around that particular player
1: once cole goes off the board <laughs> so we've now seen Wheeler's gone and strasper's gone rendon at some point is going to sign who do you think can be the real steel here that's sitting out there
2: um i mean i like you know it depends on steel i mean i, I thought castellanos like took this incredible step in his career when he went from Detroit to Chicago from an offensive standpoint I'm a big believer on hit ability guys and he showed me plate discipline strike zone awareness power to off gap fields but again when I pegged him in the beginning of the winter I didn't peg him as a nine nine figure guy I thought it was going to be more into the 55 to 65 70 million range I said you know it might be a pretty good buy here if it now starts to push hundred million <laughs> I think D.D. D, D. Gores is gonna have a big bounce back year. I think coming off one year of Tommy John surgery, you're never right. You know he didn't have a spring training. I think he's gonna bounce back. And that second base market is really loaded with players and I think the A's might dip into that pool. And I do think there's some really, really good buys in that pool strategically, you know, on one year deals that uh, you know, you could get tremendous value for what the expenditure might be
1: well i I know you got to get going i just want to say the thing that i love about you on mlb network on all the different shows is that you bring it kind of back to reality right i think some of these guys they live in this baseball bubble this baseball world and you got to sometimes pop that bubble and be like guys this is how it really
2: goes yeah well yeah it's great to play fantasy baseball until you're the one actually (laughs) trying to put a team together
1: no doubt. And, and in Colorado, wow, that was just not easy. Yeah,
2: that was a tough that tough gig. You know, I, I will tell that was a humbling experience for me. I can honestly say I didn't figure it out. Um, I, I understood some of the pitching challenges when I went there. I never really understood the home road differences offensively were as challenging for me personally. And then when you add on the physical wear and tear from a rest and recovery ballpark of the ballpark and altitude, it just created – it is a really difficult personnel model. So saying that your windows are short, so when you have an opportunity to win, you got to win because you don't know the residual blowback on that the following year. I think the Rockies were a perfect example of that this year. When the ballpark played the way it played this year, honestly, that, that is no one's fault. You have to survive those kind of seasons, not overexpose your players too bad. Take a step back and try to do it again next year. The personnel model is different than any other professional sports in any vertical at all. It's just a completely different personnel model.
1: I don't ever want to see you leave because I live what you do on television, selfishly for me and for the listeners. Do you ever want to get back in it?
2: No, I think, you know, the way the game has now um, turned. Um, I mean, I'm a lot of things. Young is not one of the boxes I am anymore. Not old in any sense of imagination. Still alive from an energy standpoint. But the game has just trended a lot younger than I am right now. And, you know, once you get off the treadmill and get away from it a little bit and you realize that there is a quality of life out there, you know, those it makes you a little bit more apprehensive because to be good at those jobs, you've got to be all in on them, and all in, you definitely pay a price.
1: TV's not a bad gig. It's not a bad gig. And speaking of your TV gig, MLB Network's coverage of the Winter Meetings will be live from San Diego coming up today at 5 o'clock with MLB Now, and you will be on the set. I will be. Dan, thank you so nice much. Chris. A lot Thanks of respect. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you so much. I really had a lot of fun talking to Dan. Dan's a really smart guy, really bright. And like I said, somebody's got to have some checks and balances, and he knows how to build an organization, how to run an organization, and you always need somebody like that inside your, your, your lineup of talent. And we're going to end with somebody who's an absolute legend. He's a host of High Heat on MLB Network, but he has his own channel on SiriusXM. He's one of the greatest radio personalities. He's in the Radio Hall of Fame for what he did with WFAN in New York, Mike and the Mad Dog. And I always gush over him because he, you know, for people in talk radio, if you have a Mount Rushmore for top sports talk radio, Chris Russo is on that. And the fact that he loves what we he loves what we're doing because remember when he left his great gig to go take over Sirius XM a channel people thought you're crazy to do that but he took on that challenge so he knows the challenge that we're doing with A's Cast and A's Cast Live I absolutely love this guy and I hope you love the conversation Chris Mad Dog Russo. Well, you know how much we love having Chris Russo here from MLB Network and, of course, what he does for Sirius XM. And, you know, I first want to start this out because now that we're face to face for the first time, I love that they did the documentary, the 30 for 30 on you guys, Mike and the Mad Dog, because appointment radio as we knew it is gone. And you guys, whether it's political talk or whatever it is, sports talk, a lot of people are not going to remember that. I love that they did that documentary because what you guys meant for our business back then was so huge. And I think it has to mean a lot for you because it's so much about your legacy and your career. Well,
4: as Carl Ravage once told me, how's it feel like seeing your eulogy when you're still alive? I, I said that a couple of years ago. Yeah, they did a very good job. Uh, Ted Shaker used to work at CBS, uh, at the, you know, put together Brent and all those great studio shows for the CBS, but uh, the uh, NFL today. He lives in New Canaan. Uh, so, Connecticut, where I live. So it took them, it took them two years to do it. Um, uh, we would have loved 90 minutes. We got 60. Uh, but they did a very, very good. They did a super It captured us is what it did. And, uh, you know, to be the sports talk radio guys, to have a doc 30 for 30 yeah. on ESPN, I mean, that's something that you will never, ever uh, get a chance to experience again. And how many radio guys are going to get a 30 for 30 done on you? So and here's the funny thing. Uh, that I'll never forget. It aired, it, it debuted in July. Right before that, the documentary before that was the history of the Lakers, and it was the Lakers Celtics one. You know, the Bird Magic and yeah. a five part episode. And it went to a break. After Bird had won his third straight MVP, you know, they did a th- uh, did their break, and the first commercial after the break was previewing the next 30 for 30, which happened to be me, Mike, and myself. So here it is. I got Larry Bird winning his third MVP. <laughs> Go right into a break, and there's Christopher, yeah. Mike Francesa, Christopher Russo. Now that is going to. I'll never forget that as long as I live. So there you have it. I must have seen it twenty-five times. The different oh, people, artists, they did a good job with it. They yeah, and,
1: and it. you mentioned Brent. So I, I, I do the Raiders sidelines. I, I, oh, you do the
4: Raiders sidelines? So I work okay. with Brent Musburger. Oh, I love Brent. Comes on every Friday. So yep. it's like when, when, when,
1: when you're talking with Brent, we're in the hotel bar or whatever, and his son is our spotter. It's like, oh, the son is the spotter. It's just like history. Like when he just starts talking, and next thing you know, it's O.J. Simpson. It's this. You're like, I mean, it's
4: sports history. And it's a joke that he does not have the Roselle Award. You know, he is not in the NFL Hall of fame he started the NFL today Uh, you know Andrea Kramer's in there Chris Berman's in there who I love but how is Brent not been honored by the NFL by by Canton this is Brent Musburger he is the reason why there's these NFL pregame shows I brought that up to Brent he hates to talk about it yeah but I love Brent but yeah there's an example here's the thing that Mike and I have it as an advantage we were pioneers you know, weren't the pioneers, the first people to do sports talk, but we were the pioneers to do this. You know, the two man team, you know, four hours every day. The 90s, the teams in New York were good. Yeah. So when you get that pioneer label, it sometimes can carry a long way. So what do you think meaning so far? We got some signings. We got some action. Yeah, Strasburg, very, very important right out of the gate. I think Cole's going to end up with the Yankees. Uh, whether it's by Thursday, I'm not sure, but I think Cole will end up with the Yankees. I think Rendon is going to be with the Dodgers. That's what I think. I think the Dodgers will not go after. I think the Yankees will give you know Cole around $280 million. I think Cole will have to make a decision. He probably can get a little more from the Angels because they're desperate, but the Yankees give him a chance to be in a pennant race every year. So I think he'd be smart to sign with the Yankees who want him, who obviously went out to San Diego last week to meet him in Anaheim, sent the whole... Contingent out there. So I think Garrett Cole, I think that he'll end up at the end of the day, he'll end up as a Yankee. Strasburg at the Nationals to me was a no brainer. They have to bring back the World Series MVP in that market. Uh, And they can cobble up, they can cobble up an offense. They can figure out who's at third base. You can't replace Strasburg, although he's great. You can replace Rendon. So I thought that made sense. And I think Lindora could get traded here. Uh, I think the bets thing is. Uh, is something that the that the Indians have to think about because Betts is, you know, not going to bring back a lot with only 1 year to go on his contract before he's a free agent. Lindor's got 2 years to go. So you'll get a lot back if you trade him now if you're an Indian, if you're an Indian, if you're the Indians and I think they will get him traded whether it's by Thursday, I'm not so sure, but I think that will happen too.
1: Don't the Dodgers, now that they're under that luxury tax hell and they've got all this talent in the minor leagues, they came up short again last year. Don't they need to make some moves this offseason? Well, I think that's
4: where Rendon will come in. Um, I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna get Cole. Uh, you know, they got a lot of pitch. You know, they lost. They're gonna lose Ryu. I know they need a pitcher too because Ryu's gonna leave, I guess. Uh, so that means that only gives them Bueller, Belcher, a uh, Bueller, Kershaw. They got your assist, the lefty kid. They put him in a rotation probably. They could use the pitcher. But if they have Rendon. They can put him at third base. They can maneuver with Justin. They can maneuver with Turner. Figure out what they do with Muncie. They got the Lux kid there. Uh, they, need a, they need a couple of people. That's not Friedman's way to spend a fortune. Um, so we shall see. i tell you one thing. The Dodgers are very annoyed at the Astros. They think they had their World Series gypped. To in 2017. Now, I don't go quite that far, because the Dodgers did win a game in Houston in that three games there, the one postseason game that that 2017 team lost, but I do think that the um, uh, I do th- the Dodgers are really upset about Houston, and I think that has spurred them, so maybe they do go out there and make a big maneuver, I and they haven't won since 88, but I don't think it's going to be Gary Cole. Rendon I couldn't possibly see with the Dodgers. Well, I can tell
1: you who also is not very happy Is the Oakland A's. That's a good point. And I can tell you the Oakland A's are one of the teams that have complained to Major League Baseball. So this is no secret. No, no secret. Major League Baseball knew this was going on. They didn't do anything about it. And so that makes us wonder, is this happening in 16, 17, 18, 19? Think about this, Mad Dog. You won 97 games as the A's. They won 107. It only gets you into a wild card game, and then you've known this stuff's kind of been going on. I mean, how do you feel if you're Oakland?
4: I understand that. Now I'm not. I think sometimes the perception might be a a little is bigger than the reality. I mean, they lost four straight home games to Washington, so I don't think it's. I I think it helps you a little bit. I don't know if it helps you 10 games worth, but I do think that. um, You know, it tells you, but Fire is saying what he did. That tells you that Oakland runs a clean organization because he wouldn't go out there and kill the Astros if, in fact, the team that he's on now is doing the same thing. So I think that, uh, you know, that tells you a little something. And I think, obviously, Houston is going to get themselves in big trouble. I mean, if it was me... I think that uh, the owner is going to get fined. I think the GM will get suspended for a lengthy period, maybe a season. I think Hinch will get himself in big trouble, and I think they're going to lose some draft picks. And uh, this will be, you know, never again screw around with electronics to steal signs. I think they will come down hard on him. This is a big litmus test for um, Manfred, who's also got a lot of the minor league people upset at him right now at the minor league 42 team retraction scenario so he's got to deal with that too but i think he understands manford that everybody's watching him i think he'll do something pretty severe I really do when i don't know i would say within probably the next month i thought it might be done by the winter meetings i don't think that's going to be the case i think probably before spring training you have an answer from mob
1: so on your show sirius xm did you address the belichick the accusations of Belichick? I, I haven't been on yet. And okay. it just,
4: so I, I, will pro, I mean, I don't think that, that seemed to be an accident. I don't think they would be. Uh, do they need to do things on the Cincinnati Bengals? <laughs> I mean, I can't think Belichick would be that dumb. And Belichick is such a great coach anyway. I think they learned their little lesson with the whole thing with Spygate to a degree to flakegate So I'll give them the benefit of that this time. I have not addressed it yet. I'll probably get into it a little bit down the road. And the Patriots are not going to go. I don't think right now, and I didn't think this a couple weeks ago, but I don't think the Patriots are going to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. I think not having home field with that offense, they're going to be in some trouble here down the road. I think they are probably win a game at home. I don't think they're going to beat the Ravens in Baltimore if it's the team they play. So
1: getting back to baseball, I think of two guys right now. Once big names are finally off the board, I look at two guys, two guys that were both in the Bay Area, Madison Baumgartner and Josh Donaldson. How much do they pick up? Because there's there's people well, need help with starters and people need help with third base. I
4: think the they, Donaldson got a break that they re-signed Strasburg because if Cole Lee if um, Rendon leaves, that gives him another team that will bid on him third base with Washington. Because I think Washington would be interested in Donaldson. He's got the Braves sitting there too, uh, so I think Donaldson will find a team. I guess he wants a four year deal. He may not get that, but I think Donaldson will well you know get a you know three years with an option. You know roughly 65 70 million, maybe a little more than that. Moustakis got 62, probably get more than that 75 80 million. And um, so, I think I'm Bumgarner. I'm not sure where here go. Um, I guess he's asking for the moon, he's a little older. Uh, Wheeler got 114 million now. He's got less bullets spent in his arm, so Bumgarner probably wants more than that. And he's been around a long time, so he may not get that. I think he'd also like to go to the National League where he can hit and not be. Twins, White Sox, but Bumgarner will find a nice home too. Hey, they're gonna, they're spending money. So the association, the player association will keep their mouth shut because baseball is spending a lot of money right now. Teams have got a Mustakas got a fortune. Grendel got a fortune. Wheeler got a fortune. Hamill's got 18 million. Will Smith got 40 million, 245 for Strasburg. They're spending money here this offseason. That bodes well here for some of these other free agents.
1: And really, a, a record last year after the World Series and all the extensions.
4: I look at it, why would anybody want labor stoppage? Everybody's getting paid. Right. Well, last year, the, the middle guy didn't get paid. What, what you have seen here is when teams feel there is, they're ready to make that next step, they will spend the money. That's what you see. The Reds felt like they needed to do something Moustakas. Uh, you know, the White Sox close to making a big push, Grandall. Braves two years in a row losing get a pitcher get a closer so you have seen teams here obviously the Phillies are a big market last year not the postseason here's Wheeler so you have seen certain teams when they're close they feel they can make that next push they will spend the money which, which is good for the sport
1: let's end on this winter meetings a lot of talk about changing the winter meetings like putting out this type of deal that if you sign a guy, maybe get some luxury tax help and like like a lot of changes to beef up this next few days. What would you like to see change here at the winter? Yeah,
4: I, I've, you know, I know the Verducci said that a sort of a luxury tax rebate. If you sign by the Wednesday at six o'clock, maybe put a moratorium on trades. I've seen that so you, you can't trade uh, Tuesday at the winter meetings and then the free agents can sign you've seen a lot of things they, uh, they so far we've only had Strasbourg right so we need something in these next 48 hours uh, I know that the MLB has put two proposals forward to the player association for things to spice up the winter meetings and they have not heard from the player association i do know that last year it did not sit well with a lot of the average fans that it took so long for machado and harper to sign baseball needs an off season where it goes away for a couple of months you know no, no, we don't need baseball to, because it's footballs. I mean, people need a little break from baseball, Then you get recharged, and you get rarer to go Then once spring training starts. And I think sometimes last year they heard so much about Machado and Harper, it drove people crazy, and it bored people. Tell me when he's going to sign. It didn't sit right. So I think anything they can do to sort of make this the conclusion of the offseason would be good, anything they can do.
1: Well, it's always an honor to have you on the program, and you know... We love you guys. You, you do a great job. You know how much we love you, here on A's Cast Live and promoting MLB Network and what you do on SiriusXM. You're a legend in this business. Thank you so much for the time. Anytime, Great to be with you. (laughs) Keep up the good work. We can't thank MLB Network enough for helping us out down at the winter meetings. It was great. Thank you to Brian Kinney. Thank you to Matt Beskirgin, Dan O'Dowd, and the great Chris Russo. You've been listening to A's Unfiltered. Now back to A's Cast, powered by TuneIn.